Welcome to the Knox Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We hope this resource is a blessing to you. Let's jump in. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 18 through 22. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his other brother, John, in the boat with their father, Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's give Sean a hand. That is just the best. Well, good morning. I want to start out our message this morning with a question that I want you to ponder. And the question is this What does it mean to be a Christian? How would you answer that question? What are the necessary elements, the essential ingredients of what it would mean for a person to call themselves a Christian? I imagine whatever answer you are thinking of, it might fall in one or two or three uh, different kind of categories or, or buckets, right? We might say that being a Christian means believing the right things, running down the list of things you're supposed to believe or behaving in all the right ways. You know, it's a series of actions, things we do, or some might say it's belonging to the right group, being a part of a a church. I, I hope you're thinking some of those things, but I also hope you're thinking, ah, yes, but isn't it more than that? Being a Christian, just these believing, behaving, belonging, all these things that we do, or is there something more? Well, I want to say this morning, at the most foundational level, to me, the definition that works the best for me is a Christian is a person who has, whose life has been changed by Jesus. A Christian is a person whose life has been changed by Jesus. We are in Sermon 5 out of 6 in our series that we are calling Kingdom Values. These values that we have adopted as a church give language to who we are, who we believe God has uniquely called and shaped Knox Presbyterian Church to be. And all six of these values that we're preaching through, we believe to be good and and true and important, but I will say today that this value that we're going to talk about today, this probably is the most important of all of them. This is the value upon which the rest of the values are built. And here's how we say it. We say, here at Knox, lives are changed by Jesus. We follow the living Christ, and our lives are different because we know him. In all we do, we want to put Jesus at the center and to share him with others. 
Lives are changed by Jesus. The Apostle Paul, if you know his story, you know his life was changed by Jesus. Paul, for most of his adult life before he became a Christian, he was persecuting Christians. He was hunting them down and locking them up in jail. He was overseeing and approving of their executions. But then Paul met Jesus. And quite to his surprise, Jesus didn't condemn Paul. Jesus didn't kill Paul. Jesus forgave Paul. And Jesus changed Paul's life. And Paul never forgot it. Paul tells us what that life change really looks like in his letter to the Ephesians. I'm going to read a selection of that letter this morning uh, from a more contemporary version of Scripture called The Message. Let's hear what Paul says in Ephesians 2, starting at verse 1. It says, It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old, stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with unpolluted belief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in the highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Now God has us where he wants us, with all the time in the world and the next, to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It is God's work from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging and say we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does the good work he has gotten ready for us to do. Work we'd better be doing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> so what does it mean to be a Christian? A Christian is a person whose life has been changed by Jesus. And the primary method by which Jesus does this saving work can be summed up in two very simple words. By grace. By grace. In a different, probably more familiar version of the passage that we just read, we actually get one of the kind of key phrases of our Reformed faith. In verse 8, in a version we're more familiar with, it says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. We have been saved by grace. Amazing grace is how we think of it. 
scholars and theologians tell us that grace is the unearned, unmerited, undeserved love of God freely given to us in Jesus Christ. It's a good definition. I also like one it's written a little bit more elaborately by a pastor and theologian named Frederick Beekner. He writes, grace is something you can never get, but only be given. There's no way to earn it or deserve it or bring it about any more than you can deserve the taste of raspberries and cream or earn good looks or bring about your own birth. A crucial eccentricity of the Christian faith is the assertion that people are saved by grace. There is nothing you have to do. There is nothing you have to do. There is nothing you have to do. Or here's another definition. This one comes from a Baptist preacher named Will Campbell. He grew up in Mississippi and became active in the civil rights movement of the 1960s. And in his autobiography, he recounts a story uh, about a friend of his, a guy named P.D. East. P.D. East was an agnostic newspaper reporter. And for whatever reason, he wanted for his newspaper work to get his friend, the pastor, to give him a succinct definition of Christianity. And over and over and again, he badgered him to say, just tell me, just tell me, 10 words or less, 10 words or less, what does it mean to be a Christian? What is the Christian message? And here is how Pastor Will Campbell finally answered him. That we're all bastards, but God loves us anyway. Take a picture if you want, because that's probably not going to be on the screen very often. <laughs> and I know some of us may find Campbell's language a little bit offensive, but I have to say that his definition of the Christian message is pretty spot on. And it's very similar to what Paul is saying in Ephesians. We're all bastards. We're all broken down, beat up, self-absorbed sinners. And... God loves us anyway. And to know that love, to receive that love, to live out that love, that is what it means to be saved by grace. That is how our lives are changed by Jesus. So what do we do with that? What is a life changed by Jesus look like? Well, as I thought about this week, the, the word that kept coming to my mind over and over again was the word new. New. When our lives are changed by Jesus, we are given a new life. Paul starts out this passage pretty bluntly. He says, it wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. So that begs the question, how does the world tell us how to live? Well, the primary thing I think the world tells us how to live is that life, my life, it's all about me. It's all about me. The great reformer Martin Luther, when describing the human condition apart from God, he uses this Latin phrase, in curvatus in se. It's Latin for curved in on itself. 
That's what sin does. It bends our whole being in on ourselves so that everything just becomes all about me, me, me. What's in it for me? How can I advance my agenda? How will my needs be met? And if my needs are not being met, whose fault is it? Sin turns us in on ourselves, which ultimately leads to death because over time, it destroys us. It destroys us as it turns us away from God, as it turns us away from other people, as it turns us away from the people that God created us to be. But Jesus gives us new life. By his grace, Jesus untwists us from being turned in on ourselves to be fully able to be the men and women God created us to be, made in the image of God, made for relationships with one another, made to be connected to one another, living for someone and something much bigger than just me. Jesus gives us a new life. Jesus also gives us a new heart. For just as sin tells me that life is all about me, sin also convinces my heart that it's all up to me. See, without Jesus' grace, we're so prone to thinking things like, you know, nobody could ever love a person like me. I can never forgive myself for what happened. I, I try so hard to be a good person, but I just can't ever get it right. So many of us live like it's all up to us do the right things, say the right words, live the right way, and then, only then, God might possibly accept you. God maybe is going to love you. Friends, let me be very clear. This is not the gospel. Yes, there are some religious systems out there that will tell you that it's all about what we do, what the gospel says, it, it has already been done. In Jesus Christ, everything necessary to make us right with God has been done. And when we can get that, when our hearts can accept that, when we receive that, it gives you a whole new heart. In place of that tight, stressed, anxious one, we're given a heart that can breathe easy, that can rest a heart that is deeply confident that there is nothing you have to do. There is nothing you have to do. There is nothing you have to do. For in Jesus Christ, it has all already been done. Jesus gives us a new life. Jesus gives us a new heart. And Jesus gives us new relationships. Because here's the thing, <clears throat> when we're living like it's all about me, it's all up to me, that makes things a little hard with other people. Other people are difficult. They get in the way of me getting what I want. They stand against the things that I think I, I need. They don't work as hard as me, so they're lazy. They believe the opposite of me, so they're bigoted. They're different from me, and since what I am is good, what they are is bad. I mean, they like french fries, how dare they? 
Tony Campolo, the great Christian author and speaker, one time when he was giving a talk, he, he was in the middle of a sentence, a thought, he was trying to get out, and he just stopped abruptly. And he looked out at the people listening to him, or kind of not sure what he was doing, and he just said, you know what? If you all knew, if, if you really knew what I was like deep down inside, you'd never want to listen to me. He said, but you know what? That's okay. Because if I knew what you all were like deep down, I'd never want to talk to you. <laughs> this is what Jesus does. When the grace of Jesus Christ enters our lives, when it penetrates our hearts, we come to realize, you know, we are all sinners saved by grace. Every single one of us, we are no better or no worse than anybody else. And so that means we can accept other people because we have been accepted. We can love other people because we have been loved. We can accept and love other people, even them, whoever your them may be, and we've all got a them. We can accept and love even them because in Jesus Christ, God has accepted and loved us. We can love because in Jesus Christ, God has loved us. So what does it mean to be a Christian? It means having your life changed by Jesus. And we've got a lot of people here at Knox who have experienced that personally. But today, we have very, one very brave member who was willing to come and share with you a piece of his story, how Jesus has changed his life. So I would invite you to join me in welcoming Kirk Seitz to come share a little bit about his life. So Kirk, why don't you start out, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name is Kirk Seitz, uh, and my family and I have been coming to Knox for about eight years, and we have been members for seven. So tell us about this value. Tell us the value again, and then tell us what it's meant for you. Uh, my core value is lives are changed by Jesus. We follow the living Christ, and our lives are different because we know him. In all we do, we want to put Jesus at the center and share him with others. And my life was changed by Jesus from the moment that I first attended a spiritual retreat called The Great Banquet. While I was there, I got to focus on getting to know who Jesus was, and I realized at this retreat that I had my priorities completely out of whack. Like a lot of men, I didn't have a lot of truly deep, meaningful male friendships, and I definitely didn't have anyone I felt comfortable sharing my faith with, or I should say lack of faith. And so I found myself very self-absorbed, that sinner, and I would isolate myself. And I found that I was spending more and more of my time self-soothing with alcohol. I was wrapped up in what I felt that I wanted for myself and not what Jesus wanted for me. I was being very selfish. After attending the great banquet, I finally took the time to listen to what Jesus had for me, had planned for me. I realized that I wasn't being the father and husband that I wanted to be in the eyes of God, and I started to build friendships and relationships with God and with those men around me, men who could support me in my newly found faith journey. 
I found a lot of strong male mentors here at Knox that have helped me guide, helped guide me on an intentional path with Jesus. So as you think about this value of lives being changed by Jesus, what's your hope for the future? I'm living proof that lives can be changed by Jesus, and my hope is that Knox continues to support all the wonderful ministries within and outside the walls of Knox, starting with the children, the children's message, Sunday school. Uh, I had the opportunity to be a Sunday school teacher and confirmation teacher, which is something I never thought I would do, but God had other plans for me. I also, I had the opportunity to get to know 15 amazing, 17, sorry, 17 amazing confirmands uh, and dozens of other kids at uh, the Go and Serve mission trip. It was an amazing experience to get to see the youth of Knox being the hands and feet of God, doing various service projects throughout communities that are far less fortunate than ours. Second, the men of Knox especially need to know that they have support. There's the Mankind Men's Ministry, which serves to connect and build one another in faith. There's a number of events that can connect the men together, Bible studies, cycling, breakfast, fishing, golf. Men need relationships with each other and with God. And last but not least, while the Great Banquet is not a Knox-specific event, Knox allows the use of its facilities for the weekend of the retreat, and the Great Banquet gives adults the opportunity to strengthen renew, or even create a relationship with Jesus. And I wouldn't be here today sharing my story if it wasn't for finally developing and learning to develop a relationship with Christ uh, from those men around me. Thanks, Kurt. Can you guys join me in helping or thanking Kurt? This was not a pre-planned, I'm going to say the thing and, you know, give you the underhand pitch and you're going to hit it out of the park, but that's what it was. Everything I said, Kirk has experienced, because it's true. Jesus changes our lives. He gives us a new life, a new heart, new relationships. And one more thing, when we accept the grace of God in Jesus Christ, Jesus leads us home. In her book, Traveling Mercies, Anne Lamott tells a great story about a time when they were little, her best friend got terribly lost. In their own hometown, she was lost. She was running around the town, kind of trying to find her way, but nothing was familiar. There were no landmarks she could recognize to orient herself, and she got really scared. And finally, a policeman stopped to help her. He, he let her sit in the front seat of his car as they kind of drove around looking for something that might be familiar. And, and all of a sudden, they, they turn a corner and she just yells, stop, stop, I know where I am now. And looking out the window, she points directly at her church and she says, that's my church. I can always find my way home from here. Friends, here at Knox, lives are changed by Jesus, and Jesus always leads us home. It is not a coincidence that today is Pledge Dedication Sunday. Today we are invited to make our financial commitment to support the ministries of this church in the coming year. And we preached on this value today for a reason. 
We wanted to be very clear. We are not asking you to make a pledge so that we can fund programs or pay staff salaries or fix leaky roofs, as important as all of those things can be. We are asking you to give. We're asking you to, to make a pledge to financially support the work of this church so that lives can be changed by Jesus. So that more lives can be changed by Jesus. That, that, that through the ministry of Knox Presbyterian Church, lives will be changed by Jesus for generations to come. So here's how we're going to do this. If you're a visitor today, we are so glad that you are here. This is something we are only asking of those who have made that decision that, yep, Knox is my church, this is my family of faith, this is where I, I want to plant myself and grow. So if that's not you yet today, if you're still kind of checking things out, just enjoy the music in the time of worship. But for the rest of us, here are some brief instructions. Uh, in a moment, we're going to have a group come forward, and actually the musicians who are uh, sharing some music, you can come and get set now. Come on out. They're going to get themselves set for some music offering that's going to be uh, giving us this time of worship, and it's going to be awesome. And as they do that, as you feel ready, uh, you can stand from wherever you are and come forward. We have these three places, these three baskets in front where you can give your card, your pledge card. Some of you brought one with you, you received it at home, and so you filled it out and you have it ready. Uh, some of you may have forgotten it, so we put them in the pews. Uh, some of you have given online already, and if that's you, but you'd like to bring a card forward, you can grab one. There's a little spot you can check that you pledged online, but you can still, our point of bringing them forward is that this is an act of worship. This is a way that we, when we engage our bodies, our hearts get connected into it. And so when you come and, and put it in a basket, you can do so in a time of, in a spirit of prayer, saying, Jesus, this is yours. Change lives through this gift. Jesus Christ is our firm foundation, the cornerstone of everything we do here. So let's give him our praise and our thanks as we dedicate these gifts to him now. Thank you for listening. For more information on how to get connected, please visit our website at knoxprez.org. That is K-N-O-X-P-R-E-S dot org. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or Spotify.